We're in this. Hi, everybody. Shaggy from Shaggy's House of Horrors and Idiotville Productions here at the historic Warner Theater for Erie Horror Fest. Today is Thursday, October 7th, or 6th, sorry, geez, the 6th, and the Horror Fest runs uh, to Saturday, the 8th, and I have two very, very special guests with me today. From Wonder Wheel Productions, we have Toby Poser and John Adams, the Adams family. I'm going to, you know, not make any Adams family jokes because I'm sure you guys have already heard that. But uh, welcome. <laughs> Shaggy, Shaggy thanks for having us. Yeah. This is no so problem. cool. We're sitting in I'm, this amazing theater. Wow. I'm so excited. So I guess to start off, guys, just uh, let our listeners know what uh, Wonder Wheel Productions is and uh, kind of how you guys got into the whole like family business of making movies. Yeah. So backtrack to 2010, we had been living in California, and uh, my acting career had kind of you know waned, and and John had been on this cool rock and roll reality show. And, and we realized, you know what? Why are we waiting around to do stuff that we can do ourselves, or we thought? And uh, we, just, uh, we just threw caution to the wind and got on the road in an RV and um, made our first film with the kids. They were 6 and 11, and we've, now we're eight films in. Eight films in. So, I, so I've only seen Hellbender. I've got to catch up. Uh, the Deeper You Dig is another one that everybody talks about. Um, Hellbender is, uh, I think, like 97% on Rotten Tomatoes right now, which is crazy. And that's what, your sixth one, I believe, I read? So uh, Hellbender is what, our eighth? No, seventh movie, right? Yeah, se- seventh if you include The Hatred, which was right. another uh, horror So The game. Hatred was one that got us into horror. And that was, uh, Toby was writing a script. And um, Zelda and I were a little bored. We were in upstate New York. It was winter. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm bored. And she's like, hey, let's make a movie. And I was like, hey, that would be great. And uh, I, I said, what kind of movie do you want to make? And Zelda said, I want to make a movie where I just kill a bunch of dudes. And I was like, oh, that's fantastic. I have a lot of friends that I want to kill. So let's, let's get them. We got a bunch of friends. We made this movie called The Hatred. It came in under an hour. But it was our first foray into horror. Right, Toby? Yeah. It was like a long, beautiful, bloody poem. And we got accepted into the horror crowd, or at least, you know, like, it was just, we realized we wanted to be accepted into the horror crowd because the horror crowd is a great group of people. It really is, yeah. We're all, uh, we're all different, but we're all there for the same cause, you know what I mean? And 100%. strangely, so lovable and nice and cuddly, and, you know, for people who love blood and guts, right. it's, it's the beautiful irony. Yeah, yeah, for, for all of us that see some crazy shit, we're all super nice. <laughs> it's true and good. It really is. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're, all, we're, all, we're all dancing around some evil stuff. And yeah. it's like, but you, you start talking to people like you and all these other people. And they're real thoughtful, good people that we like being around. For sure. So how did the idea of, of Hellbender come to be, uh, like, just the plot and everything? How did you yank that out of your brains? Oh, man. Well, let me tell you something. So <laughs> when our last, the, the film that preceded Hellbender, The Deeper You Dig, was just about to, uh, to premiere, my mom, my beautiful mom, who acts in the film, uh, was on her deathbed. She was dying, and she said she had something crazy to tell me. And basically she told me that, my biological father was not, um, I mean, my dad was not my biological father. Oops. And so I was like, oh my God. It ends up that I was donor conceived. So it was like, well, who the hell is this dude? You know, is he, what if he's a serial killer? And that led to what if he's the devil? And so for a while we thought this is going to be about the devil and its spawn. And then we realized we didn't quite have that kind of budget. So we (laughs) kind of went with the concept of a, 
unapologetic, bloodthirsty hellbender. A piece of the devil. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there is definitely uh, a hangnail of the devil. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah, I, I, I kind of saw it too as like sort of a, a coming of age story, and then within within witchcraft is how has how I caught it. And I just I love the uh, chemistry between you and your daughter was was phenomenal in the film. Oh, and, uh, thanks. And, and one thing I have to ask you guys is that. Uh, soundtracks play a really, really big role in, in horror movies. And, and what grabbed me about Hellbender was how different the soundtrack was with, uh, with, with a lot of songs that have lyrics and, and meaning. And I, I listened to the soundtrack on the way over here, actually. I'm in love with it. Um, did you, so you guys obviously create all of the stuff within your movies, the editing, the cinematography, the, the music, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, do you guys, do you, are you guys in a band? Is that how that, all the, that music came to be? It, it, that is exactly how it came to be, and that's a lot of uh, that's another answer of how Hellbender came to be. Is we have a band called Hellbender. We didn't know what Hellbender was, but it sounded freaking awesome, right? You know, like we're hellbent, you know. <laughs> and so we had this band, and then when we came up with this movie idea because of Toby's big, you know, boom out of the sky, you know, thing, um, we realized that. Toby and Zelda are together in this band anyway, and they have such a great relationship in the band that if we just put a camera in front of them, suddenly we can add like fun and kind of a lot of joy to a pretty dark and brutal movie. Right. And, and the last thing that's really great about music, and you just mentioned it with lyrics, is you can tell a story in the lyrics. So the audience in about one and a half minutes gets 20 minutes of kind of bullshitting around, talking. Right. Do you know what I mean? So right. you can kind of avoid a lot of like on-screen chatter by just putting the point in a song. Right. You know, so that's so fun. And we've just been thrilled at uh, the way people have accepted the, the band. It's great. And there's a, there's a vinyl out for that soundtrack? Yeah. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome because vinyl's definitely made a comeback. I, I mean, I don't, think it, I don't cool. think it ever left, but it, it's more popular now, you know, than it was. Which it is really crazy. Is. Yeah. And uh, the, the album is beautiful and it's put out by. Uh, Ship to Shore. Yeah. Phonico. And it just actually just, they just got their first pressing yesterday. Oh, really? So it's about to head out we, into the world. It. It and so people can start scratching it. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's great. So when you make a movie, what goes into, uh, you know, finding a distributor and stuff? Like what led you guys to, to Shudder? How'd Shudder get involved? We were really kind of turned on by the films that this company Yellow Veil Pictures puts out. Um, and we thought, let's just go right to them and see if they dig us. And fortunately, they were like, hey, come on board. And we just couldn't be happier. We love these guys. They're super festival um, curators, too. And uh, and so they introduced the film to Shudder. And Shudder immediately just took to it. Not only the f did they like the film, but they really got us as a family, which was important to us. And they've never stopped... Um, promoting it and, and uh, you know, highlighting that we're just a mom and dad and kids. Right. Yeah, they've never asked us to be anything else. That's so important to us. You know, like a lot of people will say, okay, now you need a lot of money and you need a producer and you need a, a crew and things like that. Shudder doesn't talk like that at all. That's they, awesome. Every time they talk to us, they talk to us as John, Toby, Lulu, and Zelda, and that's it. So that, that is amazing. Well, it's and that's, really what, cool. that's what I like about, like, smaller labels and stuff like that is that they give – the better, I feel like they give the better directors a chance to put your material out there because I feel like as independent filmmakers, 
there's more uh, variety to, and more vision to what you can do instead of like, here's a Halloween Michael Myers movie and let's just hack people up and that's it. I feel like there's more of an art to independent filmmaking and, and you guys have it unlocked right now. It's, it's great. <laughs> Thank you, Shaggy. <laughs> we learn so much from the other independent filmmakers. Like that's what we go to. We watch them because that's where all, well, at least for us, all the great art, the great cinematography and the great acting and the thoughts too, you know? Right. Because it's not... You know, it's, I think it's hard for Hollywood to make movies because there is a system right. and they kind of have to follow it. And luckily for us, we're all these like we're just these tiny little combat units that can kind of cruise around and, you know, sneak around, and do shit. Right. And that's yeah. what's so cool about festivals like Erie Har. You get to meet these other people who are on the same. They've got the same vibe you have. They have, right. they have the same gumption and, and desire and love of film. And so it's so cool. The people you meet already just from last night, opening night with Nosferatu. We've met people that I know we'll be in touch with forever and maybe collaborate with. Right. So Wikipedia uh, brought something up to my attention, and you know sometimes you can't believe what what's written on there, but it did say that a, a lot of the lines in Hellbender were uh, improvised. Just I didn't well, even know we were on Wikipedia. Did you? <laughs> well, we, yeah, we should read what what what, what happened. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> yes, but it's true. No, we, we usually have a pretty loose, if we have a script at all, it's really loose. It's just a template that we can spring off from. Because once we're doing in the nitty-gritty of the scene, we realize, oh, this is what the scene is about. And Zelda's going to know what to say better than I'm going to know what to tell her to say. Right. Or vice versa. And that happens quite a bit. One of the advantages that we have for being the four of us is that we can shoot something. We always go home and look at it and do like a throw-together quick edit to see... Does this look honest? Right. And if it doesn't, we go back out and, tell, and we can shoot it again until it's honest. And um, so, yeah, everyth almost everything except for the meaning of a scene is improvised. Because, yeah, memorizing shit's a pain. Right. And I'll <laughs> add, too, you know, what our, our environment is really important to us because we're so, so light on our feet. If we have the camera with us all the time, if we pass a really gnarled, gnarled crooked tree on the side of the road, we can pull over and get that. Right. And um, so a lot of time, what's around us will dictate what we shoot. And sometimes, I mean, like Mother Nature has just been the best lighting um, director, you know, the best actress. She does all the heavy lifting for us. Right. And, and, and that brings me to my, to my next thing. It's it, like the cinematography, like I said, in this movie is, is beautiful and the landscape and where you guys live. And, and that plays a big part in, in horror. And like you just said, and not only that, I feel like the whole topic of your movie with witchcraft is uh, it lends it, it lends it like that topic altogether lends itself to atmosphere more than anything. And I feel like everything you guys shot just made the plot that much better. And, and then the camera work, too. Like, the one with the road, and then it, it fades into Zelda swimming in the water. Like, that, that whole camera, I was like, how are they doing that? Because it's beautiful. It was just seamless and awesome. I don't know. I don't know how you guys do it. You're the first person who's mentioned that uh, fade. I love it. Thank you. It's one of I loved my favorite it. When, when we too. came up with that fade... It was, it was, it was like, so good. Well, that's done. Right. It and was it, so beautiful. And it was, it was such an interesting shot, too, because a lot of people don't want to see, like, her just driving down the road for, like, two minutes, you know, and that's it. So, like, right. with all that fading in and out, it was just, it was really cool to Thank me. You. I liked that a lot. And then, like I mentioned before we started the podcast with the, uh, 
was kind of like the dream sequences when you guys touched the book. Um, I, I thought they were all amazing where I was just like, come on, touch the fucking book again. <laughs> um, and so I'm, I'm just wondering like how you guys got all those shots and, and, and what goes into kind of the special effects of a movie. You said something before we hit the record button that was that's important, and and that's that um, you love. What did, you said something about the way like really arty shots like will flash in front of the screen, right? Yeah. And we love that too. Like you know, there's movies like Valhalla Rising or something that suddenly there's just this red face, right? And you're like, what the hell does that have to do with anything? <laughs> but then it comes back later, and it has a huge effect on you. And it's something that we've grown to love when people do that in a movie, kind of artistic shots. I don't know, they invoke a feeling. And we wanted to do that too. And we also uh, had a happy mistake in the editing process. I was trying to kind of fade two clips together and I hit the wrong button. And suddenly this insane saturated color thing happened where the two images like overlaid against each other. And I, I, I think Zelda was there and I was like, look at that. Like, and we, first we had to figure out what button I hit. <laughs> right. And how I got this. Yeah, crazy you're like, I could, you're like, I can do that again if I tried. <laughs> and then, so, so it took a while. We figured it out. And then we knew, and then we learned how to shoot that mistake to continue that. So, that whole touching of the book thing is from one editing error that turned into like this little piece of magic. And then we, we sought out uh, certain things to film because we knew that that overlay trick would work. In, in certain types of imagery. Right. Yeah, it's like kind of technical, but it's not really because a dumbass like us figured it out. It's like lightning in a <laughs> bottle, really, yeah. You know? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I love it. I, and, and that's the thing, too, I loved about this movie is that right when I thought I had it figured out, that ending... My gosh, <laughs> just like crawling, and then, oh, and then she's, you know, she's down there, and... And just became super. Don't, don't ruin yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I'm, I'm, I spoil everything all the time. You mean the part where they but. get to the Ferris wheel and <laughs> yeah. um, yeah, <laughs> that yeah, cool. that that part. The Ferris wheel, and then they yeah. get to Disneyland. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was expensive. That oh, it's so good. <laughs> anyway, yeah, and the Tin Man shows up. Yeah, but let's not tell what happens when no, after no. the Tin but, Man shows up. I mean, up. the whole yeah. movie is just the opening scene's phenomenal. And Thanks. I just, I don't know. I don't know how you guys do it. I really don't. So you guys have anything in the works down the pipeline right now? Are you filming anything? Hell yeah. Yeah. Can't you see really that, say much about it or you what? see that backpack sure. right over there? Yeah. That's, that's our next movie. And I'm not letting it out of my sight because I'm not quite, I'm like 95% done editing. Oh, wow. We're driving across the country. I got to finish the edit. And so like everywhere I'm going, I'm like walking around, you know what I mean? If that <laughs> thing gets taken, I get taken too. <laughs> That's the way this is going. And then it's a documentary. That's, it's true. When awesome. John goes out for coffee, he's, I see him stuffing hard drives in his pockets, <laughs> his cargo pants. He's like, I'm go so if something happens, if the, if the house burns down, at least I have a copy on me. Right. Literally at home, at, I put my hard drives that I'm, I just can't separate from them because we have this really fun movie. It's been a joy to film. Zelda came up with the idea. It's our last movie that we get to shoot together before she goes to, well, she's in college now. And we were driving to the, somewhere in the, we had finished Hellbender and she was like, hey guys, do you want to make one more movie before I go to college? And we were like, oh my God, yeah, of course we would like to. Right. And, but we didn't have any ideas. You said, you got any ideas? And she said, yeah. And she pitched this idea from the back seat, and um, in a minute, and we knew, oh my God, this is perfect for us. So it's called Where the Devil Roams and Toby can tell you 
about it? Yeah, it's about a family of performers on the dying carnival circuit in Depression-era America, and their side act is murder. Um, and they're a wonderful group of misfits. Uh, and it's about when something really bad goes down for the parents, the daughter has to pick up the pieces, quote-unquote, of her family. Wow. So we kind of call it a, a cross between Frankenstein, Bonnie and Clyde, and the Grapes of Wrath. Wow. Super I'm gritty. down with it. <laughs> it's like the backstage of the carnival. It's not, uh, it's not like uh, that movie that Guillermo del Toro put out, which is this is yeah. more like the, the gritty backstage. What was the name of that Nightmare movie? Alley? Yes, yeah. Nightmare yeah. Alley. So yeah, think good. about Nightmare Alley. Which was beautiful. And then yeah, throw yeah. like blood and guts and mud and spit and a little piss on top of it. All right, and I'm then down. that's our movie. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, it was just so fun to film. It really, really and was. I don't know. We're just extremely excited about it, and and we hope people have as much fun watching it as we had making it. It sounds like a fun time. It was. And it's ironic too because here we are in the Warner yeah. Theater, which was which was opened in 1931 when Frankenstein came out, mm -hmm. and when our film takes place. And in the end, they're aspiring to get to this uh, theater, this right. you know, a theater like this. We call it the Buffalo Horror Show. Um, and we shot marquees all across the country to kind of fake this. And here oh, we are. Wow. It's like, oh my god! How uh, how amazing was that though? Checking out all the marquees and all that. Oh. Like it was. Wonderful. I bet. So I one passion. of the things that's happened as we've, like, we have a, a fifth family member called Trey Lindsay who basically does all our great effects. Like, sometimes I'll do some effects, but they're not the great ones. Trey does the great ones. And all of us, we do read the reviews. We read the audience reviews. We, we go to festivals. We talk to people. We talk to people like you. We, we, we do pay attention to whether we're entertaining people and what's successful and what's not. Right. And he does, too. And one of the things that's really happened with this movie is he is hitting a grand slam with the effects because he's an artist and whenever he reads like maybe a negative effect of like uh, a negative review of like an effect in our movie, it fucking hurts, right. you know? And same with us. When we read something that hurts, it hurts. And uh, we've all like really focused on like, let's make this genuine. Let's make this honest. So like, you can smell the piss in the carnival. Right. <laughs> and he's done such a wonderful job because we've driven around the country and grabbed pieces of buildings and stuff like that, and he's compositing them together to look honest. It's that's, exciting. That's amazing. It's neat. That's awesome. You guys have a hell of a team. Like, and like you said, Zelda came up with your newest movie. Like, what would you be without her? You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> She's, yeah, we are. She's a super talented. You just have a super talented family. It's insane. That's super cool of you. And now, and we got to work with Lulu in, in Hellbender. She's the blonde neighbor, Ooh. Amber, because Lulu had already finished college, so she'd kind of been away for a couple films. And then with with COVID, she, uh, we were traveling around the country for a bunch of, uh, especially to shoot the psychedelic scenes in Hellbender mm -hmm. during COVID. So because we uh, were living in an RV and traveling all over, and she was living in the North Pacific Northwest. So we got to go out and shoot with her, and then, and um, it was fun to have her back in our fold because right. she brings a great energy. She's she just a little punk, she really you does. know. She's so much fun. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, she uh, her character was definitely interesting for sure. It was yeah, it was the whole movie is amazing. I gotta thank watch you. it again. I gotta thank go you. watch it again. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It means so a lot sure. to us because we do love doing this, and if we can make friends doing it, that's what we're. That's just the beauty part. Oh yeah, yeah well, thank you. 
we'll definitely bring you guys back, no doubt. Awesome. So, so what, Wonder Wheel Productions, you can go on the website and whatnot, and what can people find there? You can see all of our, the trailers for all of our films there and okay. pictures and behind-the-scenes stuff and um, where to watch. Um, yeah, they're all on there, wonderwheelproductions.com. Nice. That's awesome. Oh, so, and uh, if you want to check out our tunes, our band is Hellbender with sixes as the E's. Yes. Uh, so, like, you know, Hell Satan kind of stuff. And we're on Spotify and iTunes and on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, and hellbender.com. You can check everything oh, out there, too, including yeah, videos. Yeah, we, we did, like, a like a band. And some cool site. T-shirts. And we got some cool T-shirts. Oh, you got some T-shirts? Oh, I'm definitely ordering a T-shirt yeah. right when we're no, done with not. this. We're giving you one. We got, we got some oh, right out in our truck. That's yeah. awesome. You want meat or hellbender? We got, right, we got those with us. Hellbender. Okay, you got Yeah, it. for sure. Yeah, I'm such a hellbender fan. Yeah. Excellent. No doubt. So hellbender is playing tonight. At the Erie Horror Fest. 8 o'clock, right? Uh, is it, it is. Eight? Tonight, I was just going to ask what time. I wasn't rock. sure. And then uh, following a, a Q&A with you guys, correct? Yeah. 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 We're also giving the keynote speech. Oh, really? For Hellbender. Look yes. at that. Yes. We are going to give the keynote spe- speech for the Erie. And I'm going to talk like that. Which, <laughs> is, which is, what kind of accent is that? Like, that was like a mix of, I don't even know, She's Romanian and Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> that was my new that was my persona L Dritch. <laughs> well, here's the here's the deal. Like um you know, like with our scripts, we don't uh, I can't memorize shit, so we don't have really scripts and so we don't have one today. <laughs> so this <laughs> could be it. it could be a uh, uh, <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Uh, we'll harmonize. No, but yeah. You guys help us out. Somebody throw us a bone while we're up there, please. So Hellbender at 8 p.m. And then um, as far as meeting you guys and getting autographs, what, what time are you guys at your table? We're going to be around before Hellbender, I think maybe like 3.30 to okay. 5, and then after as well, before Hellbender. So okay. we'll just be around all day. Yeah, yes. we're locked down. We're, we're ready to rock. It's a great place to hang day. out. And I got to edit, so I'll be somewhere editing. Right. Sounds good. Sweet. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for, for joining me. And... Uh, I'm Shaggy, part of Idiotville Productions, and I'd, I'd love to have you guys on, on my actual horror podcast, too, and just bullshit horror movies. We are I mean, your we'll, idiots from here on out. Yes. Shaggy. Awesome. Thank Let's you. rock. I love you guys. We love I, you, too. Uh, Thanks for having us, Shaggy. I'm definitely going to have to uh, get some autographs from you guys after this. Sweet. I'll have, I'll have John sign my chest. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Enjoy, enjoy your weekend in Erie. Um, good luck with everything. I'll be checking out your next film, and I'll be promoting you like crazy from here on out thank you so much yeah thank you thanks awesome i just hit stop how do you like this Welcome everybody, Shaggy here from Shaggy's House of Horrors, Idiotville production, here with Idiotville as well at the historic Warner Theater for Erie Horror Fest today through Saturday. And I'm here with two very special people, Carter Smith, director and actor, Mark Patton. Hi guys. Thanks for joining me. Hello, hello. Thank you, thank you. Carter Smith, idiot. Mark Patton, idiot. Yeah, <laughs> we're here. <laughs> we're here. We're here. Shaggy's House of Horror. All, all the idiots are here. Um, first off, thank you. Uh, second... 
Um, well, I guess we'll start with Carter. Uh, just give us a background on you and how you got started and kind of your, your films that you've directed, the type of films you've directed. Yeah, um, my background is in fashion photography. Actually, I was a fashion photographer uh, for a good long time before I ever made my first uh, short film, uh, which was called Bug Crush, uh, which we're screening here on Saturday night. Uh, it's like, I made it, I guess, 15 years ago. Um, and it was my first short film, and it was kind of like every filmmaker's dream come true because we got into Sundance and then we won Sundance. Oh, wow. And then, you know, all kinds of doors opened up, and uh, I made The Ruins for DreamWorks. Yeah, I've seen Ruins. Um, and then went on and made another, like an indie film called Jamie Marks is Dead, and then did some stuff for Blumhouse. Uh, and then what did you do for Blumhouse? I did a movie called uh, Midnight Kiss which is a part of their Into the Dark uh, series of oh, films okay. for Hulu. It is the queer uh, New Year's Eve slasher. Oh, I love slashers. Yeah, it it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a fun one. I mean, it's a definitely a specific take on a, on a slasher. Um, and then we shot Swallowed, uh, was it last summer? Yeah, last, yeah, last summer uh, in Maine. Um, and it was, uh, you know, a, a pretty different sort of filming experience from, from everything else. It was a a mean, lean crew and cast that were down to do just about whatever it took to get the film made, which was very much appreciated by me. <laughs> oh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. How long did it take to film that one? Uh, we shot Swallowed in 15 days. Oh, wow. Yeah. With a crew of eight people. What? Yeah. Guys, check that out. Yeah, which that's is, which is you know, that's I had never made a film like that before. I mean, my first film was a big studio movie. My, you know, the, all the other films were union. They were very, you know, kind of, not huge, but like not eight people. Right. And I'd always kind of imagined that I would start making films in a model like Swallowed. And I sort of went in the opposite direction and started big and then just continued to get smaller and smaller. Um, so did it make Swallowed easier to film? Or was, I, it, was it more, uh, did you have more fun on that one than the other ones because of how small it was? If, you know, it, there was definitely, you know, a family aspect to it that, I mean, we were all sleeping in bunk beds in a bear hunting camp. Like, wow. and, sh you know, sharing, you know, uh, outhouses. You know, we were, we were way off the grid. But I think that the, one of the things that was so interesting about Swallowed was you sort of realized that if everything else goes away, like, what you put on the screen what your actors are doing and what actors you have in your in your film becomes like that's how your film shines that's how you tell your story right. and like you don't need millions of dollars for that and, that, and that's what I like about the horror community and the horror genre it, in general is that I, I gravitate more towards the independent filmmaking because I feel like there's more freedom. You're not told so much yeah. what to do. You can put your own vision on the screen and have yeah. it come out the way you want it to come yeah. out. So, I mean, awesome. I, I will say that like having, having made a couple other films first, I came into this situation with a lot of knowledge and I don't think I would have been as successful at making it work with the crew that we had and the and the scale that we were working at if I didn't have that previous experience right. you know so I you know I went about it kind of in a weird backwards way but it kind of feels like it was the right way that's awesome and speaking of great actors I mean you got Mark exactly Patton over here the the ultimate male screen queen so Mark give give us give our listeners just the kind of a history on on how you came up in the in the film industry well I was uh, a very I don't know if I was arrogant or determined 17-year-old, and I moved to New York. 
and from Kansas City, or outside of Kansas City, really, in a small, rural type of place. And my real interest, I mean, I, I got to New York. I had no money. I did, I'd never been on an airplane, or certainly not to New York City. So I didn't know there was a difference between Manhattan and Queens and the Bronx and so on. And I also didn't know you needed an agent. But then somebody told me they did, you did. And I just went knocking on doors. And the door I knocked on said, if you're an actor, don't knock. And I thought, well, I'm not an actor yet. I want to be an actor, so I knocked. <laughs> and luckily, the owner opened the door that day, and I was signed to those people for like 10 years. So, and my real professional career started in a theater somewhere like this. I mean, I'm, I get those voodoo vibes with these old, beautiful. I started at the Martin Beck, which is now the Hirschfield Theater, and come back to the Five and Dime Jimmy Dean, which was directed by Robert Altman. And then he directed the film with. Uh, the, the same cast. So I spent like a year, year and a half with Cher, Sandy Dennis, Karen Black, uh, oh. Kathy Bates, myself, and Robert Altman, and met everybody in the, from Louise Brooks to, I met everybody in the film world. And then Dina Merrill, who was a backer of uh, Bob's, the original owner of Mar-a-Lago, her mother was, uh, backed a film and put me in it, and she played my mother. And then I was off to the races. So how'd you get the uh, offer to do uh, one of my favorites, Nightmare on Elm Street 2? You know, I actually screen tested for the first Nightmare uh, with Heather. And, you know, so funny because Heather and Kim were exactly the same. They, Heather was going off to Stanford, and she couldn't decide whether she should make this movie or go to school, which she had worked so hard for. And uh, Kim was Syracuse. And... I, we said, go, do this. You know, I mean, like, this is a once-in-a-lifetime gig. Right. And so she did, and then I didn't get it, and Johnny Depp did. And then they came back to me for the second one, and then, which, is, you know, really was the film that was meant for me. That was, I think this is like, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 was like destiny moment for me. I've never heard that story. I didn't know you screen tested for the first one. I oh, love yeah. that. Can you, it, me or Johnny Depp? Yeah, well, <laughs> at least you know, if you're going to let anyone get the role, it's, you know, I, oh, guess, I, know. I guess maybe I, it's I love okay. how they go on about, you know, uh, I got this over Brad Pitt and yeah. all these people. And, and what people don't realize is, you know, there are about 30 guys at any time in Los Angeles that are going to get the film. The guys. And yeah. you're going to audition against them. Hey, it's, a, it's a nice list to be a part of, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Well, uh, yes, it's like it's you're in the winner's circle. It's, it's a little scary, though, because you get a lot of also-rans. Like, I would get up to the edge of things, and I was so young, I really didn't understand how cool that was and how great it was. And had I not left the business for the reasons that I did... I was pretty primed to step into the spotlight there. So, and I have friends who did it, you know, went, have gone the full nine yards with it. And I don't know if it was not the best move for me to step away. I don't know if I would have been able to handle it, <laughs> to be honest with you. It's a different life. Right. Was, there a, was there any pressure being in a sequel to such a successful original film? No, because it was, uh, you know, at that time, doing a sequel was like doing porn, basically. Right. I mean, it was a money grab. Right. And, um, you know, and it's once again, it's uh, at the hands of people who really love film. That, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is blessed with uh, an excellent crew. 
Jacques Hankins, the, the cinematographer, does beautiful work. Christopher Young, the music is beautiful. Robert's at his best then because he's not a star yet. He's just there for 12 minutes and scares you. Right. All the actors are really good. And it had a shitty script. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> it had a shitty script. And it's like, and I always say to Jack, you know, you should get down on your hands and knees and thank God you hired the actors that you did because... You know, you're making, and I, I love it. I mean, I, I've always loved Elm Street, and I'm really proud of it, and I always have been. So, you know, I'm glad to see it getting its, uh, its due. Right, and and that's a beautiful thing about horror too. I feel is that, you know, movies that you might be a part of, either acting or directing, where you think like, all right, I'm jumping into this because I love it, but how's it really gonna do? In horror, you really don't need to worry about that because even if you think it's gonna bomb, it can become a cult classic and get a following real quick. Yeah. And, and that's the, the great thing about this fan base too, is we're all just so open to anything. You know? Oh, I think I compare uh, uh, horror fans to country and Western music people. Like my dad always said, I was gonna be a singer and he, he said, oh, you know, do country because you get one hit and you've got a job for the rest of your life. They'll pay to see you sing that song till you're dead. Right. Loretta Lynn, yep. rest in peace, although she write hundreds. And he was true. I mean, horror fans are just... Yeah, incredibly loyal. Incredibly loyal and loving and kind. And, you know, that was a big journey for me to find that out. So. And you can t- also, like, with, you know, what's interesting is, like, with my movie The Ruins, which is my first film, like... That was not a success when it came out. Like people panned it, critics hated it, and it's only like in the last couple of years that people have started to come out of the woodwork and be like, "Oh my god, I love that!" Like all the screenings have swallowed. There's people that show up with like ruins DVDs and posters, and right. people are like rabid. And I think also with the, you know, how many horror podcasts there are, it's like, oh, people are actually talking about this movie that like I just thought was going to kind of disappear and fade away and. Right. You know, just because it didn't like open at number one on the, you know the weekend that it came out, and and that's why I started my podcast, Shaggy's House of Horrors, is because I'm a fan of the genre and I wanted to bring films to people's attention that they might not know about at all or have yeah. ever seen, and and expand that universe out to people that aren't very familiar with it. And I'm I'm having a, I'm having fun with it so far. Nice. So, um, but yeah, back to the ruins too. The, when you said it like it wasn't very well received by some people, like as a director, how do you handle the good and the bad? when it comes to criticism? I mean, it's, I mean, you know, you make a movie, yeah, of course, you make a movie and you want people to love it, you know, I mean, that's, that's, I think part of why film festivals are so great is because, like, that you're bound to to run into people after a screening who the film affected, and you don't necessarily get that experience when something is just released theatrically only. Like, with The Ruins, like, we didn't play any festivals, it was just released on, whatever, 20,000 screens, and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, and so there was like this weird, deafening silence of like, uh, do, you know, I don't know. I mean, I went to the theater a couple times and saw it with people, but I, I didn't know if people liked it or not. I knew I, I really liked it, and I knew I was really proud of it. And I think that at the end of the day, like that's that's what matters. That's yeah. W- yeah. I mean, more than I mean, if I, if it had been a film that I was really not proud of and people had loved it, uh, who knows? But like, right. I am really proud of it still, and so. You know, I'm happy that people are finding it now, even if they took them, you know, 10, 11 years. <laughs> oh, that's no time. <laughs> yeah, that's no time in the world of horror. <laughs> it's not over. It's not over till you know what. Yeah. Um, so, what made you want to start directing movies? Like, did you have any like favorite horror directors growing up that you kind of idolized, or anything like that that got you into the, the um, genre? I mean, I was like a your standard like, you know, video store horror kid, like you know, going to this 
one video store in my, it wasn't even in my town, it was like three towns over, and just renting anything in the horror section. So like I had a pretty broad, I mean it was, it was basics, it was slashers and, um, I mean I did see The Brood at a really young age and like, uh, you know, because I was, I would go to this, uh, my, sis, my sister took ballet classes and I would go and we would pick her up and that was when we would go pick up our movies. And one of the other dance moms was, would always see me with my movies and she was like, oh, you like horror. I was like, yeah, I do. She's like, I'm going to bring you a movie next week. And she brought me this like unmarked VHS tape. There was like a bootleg copy of The Brood. And I was like 12 maybe. And it would, you know, it messed me up. Yeah, the ending of that <laughs> film altogether. Yeah. But like, it also like, and I was probably too young to understand it at the time, but like the fact that it was also beautiful, you know, like the cinematography and the sets and the, the hair and the makeup and the clothes, like it was breathtakingly like visual also which right. I had never really experienced in a horror film before because I was like just very much like you know slasher and right. you know I mean kind of like pretty run and gun like nothing very considered or or, or kind of um, artsy yeah <laughs> yeah. D- yeah definitely and nothing artsy, artsy yeah, yeah. we'll wait until you see ruins it's uh, I mean swallowed I get confused too much time on the road is a beautiful movie. I mean, it really is a beautiful well, that, movie. That's what I was going to ask both of you to, to close the interview out. Is is what can well Swallowed is playing 8:45 Saturday night. I think followed by a Q and A with with both of you. So yeah. I'd I'd like both of your opinions on this. Like, what would you say to fans coming to watch that film? What can they expect and get out of uh, <laughs> Swallowed by the end of it without giving too well, much think, away? I mean, what, I mean, one of the one of the things that I'm super excited about is the Swallowed is playing at 8:45. But at 8 o'clock, we're playing Bug Crush, oh, okay. which is the short film that won Sundance. And they're, they're very much like kind of Companion pieces? spiritual brothers. Yeah, there's the, when, if you, when you see them both back to back, it'll totally make sense. Um, Did you do that on purpose? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was the Swallowed was a return to like the same, okay. you know, the same type of filmmaking, the same kind of small town, main backwoods world of, um, you know, messed up shit. Uh, and so I, I'm excited to see those two back to back. And I think that, you know, I mean, especially if anyone's interested in filmmaking or wants to make films, like that you can sort of see Bug Crush the Short was, you know, probably, we probably had a crew of like 40 people. And it was like a big, wow. it was a big short. And then Swallowed was eight people. Right. And, you know, I mean, I cooked our meals. Like, you know, we were driving our own trucks. We were sleeping in bunk beds and using outhouses. And so it's kind of we like an had interesting... We bathroom. Yeah, you had a... Yeah, we were, we were into... <laughs> the actors the, had... That was the upgrade. That was the upgrade. The actors had a flushing the, toilet. That was, that was literally the only upgrade that we had. Us, one, you know. one flushing toilet for everybody. Yeah, yeah. A, a leaky septic tank. It was yeah, great. Yeah. You know, like we were off the grid. It was so much fun. Yeah, that's... I mean, I, I feel like that'd be the best way to do it, though. You know, no, like, sound studio, no pressure, just... For me, it's the best. I did another movie. I've done two movies that in recently that were filmed and we lived in the location. I love it because, you know, it's like you can set up your lights all day and I can be in my bed. Like, <laughs> Tell me when you're ready. wake me up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's so true. And now that I've gotten older. Roll out of bed right on the set. You'll see when you see... Uh, um, um, swallowed. Swallowed. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I flew 15 hours to get here, so I have an excuse. Um, yeah, I don't have to care what I look like anymore. So, and you'll—that comes way true in this movie. He shoots me. Actually, my Jack Shoulder, the director of uh, 
Nightmare on Elm Street called me and said, oh, my God, I saw Swallowed. And, oh, and it's so good. It's, like, so good. And, and, you know, he was very complimentary towards me. But he said the way he shot you was just perfect. I mean, it's just like it's you're ugly, but you're so beautiful. And congratulations. Yeah, it's like an ugly movie. beautiful. I mean, because it know, is Mark, a beautiful Mark, frame. Mark plays a, like a villain. You know, like a you know he's a, a real villain. A, yeah, he's a real villain. But I mean, not a completely unlikable villain uh, to me. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe to some. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's interesting to see him in that in, in that, that role, in that yeah, role too. Oh, sure. And also just to have like you know to let queer characters be themselves in horror, which right. I feel like we don't get really enough of. No. Um, oh, yeah, a studio would never let you, at this point, now maybe next year, they will, but they would have maybe. never let this but, And I feel go. like that's important within the, the horror community because oh. there are all, all you know, different there, types of people. There are so many queer it. horror yeah, fans yeah, that are so, waiting for right. movies that they can see themselves in, where there's something besides like the, you know, the sidekick or the first one to go, right. or, you know, the sort of Subtext, the subtext <laughs> you know the joke yeah. the, the butt of the joke generally yeah. but you know the thing is this would have been played by a straight guy the part that i'm playing and then he would have been faking i didn't it was like i this was a real breakthrough thing for me i mean carter brought this to me i didn't audition for it and it was written for him 100 percent. i wrote it with him in mind and after i couldn't believe it i mean i literally was like why would you think of me for this because this is not me but um, but it is. It, but, it is. <laughs> but it really is, and it's like it was the first time I said I didn't think I could do it. I argued with him for months, and uh, so I, I said, know "You can do it. I know you can, you do, can it. do it." And I didn't really think I was going to do it until I stepped on the set. I mean, literally. And then he showed up. Like it was like the Holy Spirit showed up, and it was like this freak arrived. And um, and the thing is, it's like I. It was the first time I ever went to a film set and wasn't pretending when I got there. Like, I didn't have to pretend. I didn't worry about my looks. I didn't worry about the lights. I didn't worry about being too gay. Those were all armor that I took with me every place that I went. And it was the first time that I actually, the character came first. And I got to go for the ride, and it was wonderful. That's and amazing. I, was I, so love, great I love hearing that. that. I can't yeah. wait. I can't wait to he- see that translate on screen. That's amazing. And I love that he wrote a part with you in mind. He's like, "What would it be like if if Mark was evil?" Yeah, <laughs> totally. Oh, yeah, so much and well, I saw. I read him. Was like, "I'm not evil." I saw. I you know. I I saw, I'd seen Scream Queen, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, and and kind of fallen in love with Mark, uh, seeing that doc, and so like I had a sense of what would be possible with him just by, you know, spending 90 minutes with, with, you know, without the mask up. So I was like, I was like, I know that he can do this. Yeah. I'm funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Rich is funny. Rich, the character is funny. Yeah. I think, oh, in he's a weird, funny. messed up way. It's weird. Like the way you, you know, I like, I have a whole uh, bunch of directors that are about Carter's age who all love Nightmare on Elm Street and like have written for me. I mean, it's really amazing. Well, because you affected us. Um, and then the now there's this television show in England. It's called uh, Wrecked. And the, the villain is a duck. And it sounds really horrible, but it's really good. And the main character's name was written after me at 25. And it's na- his name is Jamie Walsh. And so he was named for Jamie Lee Curtis and I, which I think is very oh, cool. Wow. And the, the press called me about it. And then I met with the director. And it's really cool. So it's on BBC. So you just have to nice. watch it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. 
like people noticed, right. which is a yeah. really cool thing. I mean, thing people to noticing know. is what you know what, what you want when about. you're making movies. <laughs> you want somebody to notice. When watch my film, notice me. Something, please. Right. And, and I can just tell that you two are like the perfect like team. So I can't wait to see how that translates because it yeah. seems like you guys are really close. Which which helps when you when you work with people that you absolutely adore. So. Yeah, well, we had never met before. No, really? no we we, we, we separated we, 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 we met at, like <laughs> literally on set. Like when when Mark arrived, like we had messaged wow. and like. But I mean, we right. obviously know each other better now right, after right. going. Through yeah. making an indie film is like war, but like we, oh, wow. you know, it just kind I of. Yeah, I, I knew that it was meant. To, I knew that we would get along. Though. Oh, we like separated at birth, but the thing is, you know, it's like uh, we're a very powerful group of people, and I, and I don't know how I ended up like an elder in this community because I don't feel elderly, but um, there's a whole group of us that are have taken our mask off at the same time, and we're coming at you. And you will be wa watching some incredible horror movies, some incredible, incredibly creative. I had a, a friend who once said, and I think it holds true for us. It's like it because, or like oppressed people in a certain way. It's like if you give a drag queen a piece of cardboard and some rope, he'll come back at you with a runway show with models, and that's what we do. We take nothing and turn it into something because mostly we didn't have anything to work with so now we do and give us a few million dollars and we'll have fun <laughs> on you <laughs> well yeah so swallowed saturday night 8:45, and then the uh short film before that was bug crushed is that bug what it is? bug bug crush, bug crush. yeah right. uh, when you say it fast it sounds almost like butt crush right which is like also not like really the wrong it's kind of in the same territory <laughs> but bug <laughs> bug crush yeah it's even more killing if you want to see inside his mind go to all the dead boys on instagram or on the internet yeah you know, all the dead boys .com is all uh, the dead boys .com will get you there so bug you, crush so yeah uh, also i guess before we end social media accounts for any of you guys where can they find you if anybody wants to uh Dig deep. Probably I can say Google Mark Patton and you'll find me <laughs> everywhere yeah. in everywhere. the universe. <laughs> everywhere. It's nice to be the number one Google search. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm on, all, I mean, best place for me is alltheadboys.com. Okay. Awesome. You'll have fun. Thank you. Well, guys, enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll be here all weekend, so we'll be hanging out with you guys. Great. I can't wait to hear what you think of the films. Oh, yeah. Me either. I thank can't wait you. to talk about them, so we'll get you back on. Cool. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank Sounds you. Sounds so nice. Thanks, guys. We're Thanks you. Down. Can we get a picture? Yeah. yeah. Of course. Yeah. Welcome everybody, Shaggy from Shaggy's House of Horrors, an Idiotville production along with Idiotville. We're here at the historic Warner Theater on Thursday, October 6th for Erie Horror Fest. And two very special guests with me tonight, today. I almost said tonight. I don't know what fucking time it is. I, I'm a third shifter, so the fact that I had to get up at 7 a.m. today was rough for me. I had one cup of coffee. But uh, to my left, we have John, actor John Philbin. And to my right, director Fritz Kirsch. And they are uh, here mainly for uh, Children of the Corn, which is um, tomorrow night? Tomorrow night at 8 o'clock is the screening. And, uh, and it's live commentary along with the film, which, which is an amazing idea. I don't know who came up with that, but that's, that's uh, John, a great John idea. and I did. We were handling over things, and we said, let's just talk over the movie so no one can hear the film. <laughs> <laughs> that was John and I. We, we thought that one up. 
Yeah, yeah. People, there's a lot of people who haven't seen it and they come to see it and they want to watch. We talk over all Fritz's cool shots and stuff. <laughs> and then when I'm on, I'm like, hey, be quiet, be quiet, watch this, watch this, watch this. Because I'm not on that long and it's precious every second. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's well, well, that's the thing too with, with, with DVD releases and stuff. Sometimes they have the audio commentary talking about the film and whatnot. But it's, it's got to be a, a joy to be able to do it live. You know, well, kind of on the fly. Well, I must say, I've done it once with Courtney and uh, Courtney Gaines and John Franklin, who will be here as well. So the four of us will be up, yeah, yammering away. And with them, it was very comfortable, and uh, the synchronicity was cool. And we talked about things, uh, our experiences on these moments. I know John will throw in all kinds of things. It it actually was fun, and it did not really harm the appreciation of the the film, it just added a little value. People can hear two things at one time. Right. And, and we're respective of stuff. Although I always yell, Outlander, and then Courtney gets mad, because that's his <laughs> line. And so so I, I guess we're gonna start with John then. Just let our listeners know a little, about, uh, a little bit about where you came from and, and your filmography and, and stuff like that. Children in the Corn was my very first movie. I went to, I'm from California, and I went to school one of those overtrained, underemployed LA actors that hates to work and would rather go surfing. And my very first film I did was Children of the Corn. And, uh, you know, it was a str on a shoestring budget, you know, and it's a horror movie, you know, and I thought, well, you know, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to learn how to work in front of the camera because the next movie I had to do was really important, you know, with big names. It was going to change my life and the life of everyone who saw it. And I, no one's talking about that film anymore, and people are talking about Children of the Corn because horror movies have a following that is unparalleled. In, they really you know, do. They really do, because horror is addictive. Because it, when you get scared in a movie, your brain produces something a lot like morphine, and people get addicted to it. And I, I was when I was younger. All I watched was horror movies. I did another horror movie, uh, like within the... I was an actor in the 80s in LA and I worked for like 15 years and I stopped working and started teaching surfing and washing other people's dogs and stuff, you know, like driving them out to lunch and stuff that you do when you're not a working actor. <laughs> and then I, no, I got really into teaching surfing, so that's what I do professionally. But for 15 years, I got to make a bunch of really cool movies. Another horror movie I got to do was uh, Return of the Living Dead. Yes, yep, you were in that. Yes. Which, you know, Dan O'Bannon did. And he, he turned out to be a genius. No one knew what the hell was going on. These zombies are running and people are Dan cracking O'Bannon. jokes and there's punk rock music playing. I'm like, I've never seen anything like this. I don't know what it's, how it's going to work, how it's going to come together. As it turns out, it created a genre of the comedy zombie movie. As right. Zomedy, I called it. But uh, yeah, he's a genius. He's an original thinker. So in that movie, again, I thought, oh, this is a low-budget movie. No one's going to see this. Doesn't matter. Just going to have fun and learn some stuff, meet some people. Turns out to be a movie we're still talking about today. And I, I got lucky. I got to be in a couple of culty ones. Like Point Break also has a following. You know, you make it, you think, oh, this is going to be cheesy. And then right. people just love it 20, 30 years later. And then you were in my favorite uh, Western of all time, Tombstone. So. Tombstone is a lot of people's favorite Western. Yeah. I got super lucky to work with that cast, it was a great oh, experience. A crazy right? cast. Yeah. And you're just gonna hang it out, you know, I don't know, I don't know if you guys have ever been on the set of a big movie or anything, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you're just sitting, like, it's just like this, except the guy you're talking to is Sam Elliott, you know, or right. Bill Russell, you know, and, or Bill Paxton, and they're just the greatest guys, as it turns out. Right. These guys are awesome. And so it was just, it doesn't get any better than that. That's a movie-making experience. I got to watch one director come in, get fired, get replaced by another director, rewrite the cast coming back, and thank God all those great actors didn't leave the cast when the script was changed right. to make it a shorter action film. What's your favorite memory of Children of the Corn filming it? 
The knife, cutting a pentagram into my chest with a prop knife that had blood coming out the tip. I felt so macho and so like, I'm making a movie now, man. This is a, a knife, stag-handled knife, and there's blood coming out the end, and it's got to be technically done because it's a very tight shot. It's got to, everything's, because it's a, we don't, there's no computers back then, you know? Like, everything right. has to be practical. Is that what you call mm -hmm. it, Fritz? Yeah. yeah, so it's working, but it's a trick, you know, so you right. can't show the, the tubes and the wires. And I just thought, I am really, I've made it. My shirt is off. <laughs> that was the beginning of a long... Can I take my shirt off in this scene? No, no, John. You can't take your shirt off. It's not about that. Chris is laughing because he's the guy that caught me doing sit-ups and push-ups in the other room before my Pumping scene. Up. I wanted to make sure I was psychologically prepared to do my work as an actor. And he goes, what are you doing? Like, you're, you're the only... I've never seen an actor do more sit-ups and push-ups on a movie set in my life. I'm like, dude, I have my shirt off in the next scene. You'd be doing sit-ups and push-ups, too. If your first movie scene, you have your shirt off. But anyway, I was just always trying to take... No, I don't try to take my shirt off anymore. I like to leave a long-sleeve shirt on and socks, if you know what I mean. I've walked in this beautiful... whitey sometimes. I've walked in this beautiful theater at 9.30 in the morning, and nobody is in here. It's a ghost town. And I'm like, well, if, if anybody wants to streak down, you know, a, a theater naked by themselves while it's a ghost town, now's a good time to do it. But I, I didn't do it, so... Yeah, you kind of ruined my idea. Good idea, though. I like that <laughs> idea. I was kind of, but you see, being more of an exhibitionist, I was kind of wait till 5.30, 6, 7 uh, o'clock tonight. So that's more, yeah. 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 More of the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would do one of those I'm going to do that for sure. Yeah, this, yeah. Then we'll, we'll uh, meet the, um, the, the, let's call it the leadership of the police. <laughs> the, the eerie leadership. You guys are cool, man. Totally tattooed out. And I don't yeah, know. Oh, yeah, you, you do get to be on film. That's good. Um. <laughs> So now we'll turn to Fritz, the director of Children of the Corn. Just, uh, yeah, let our audience, same thing that John did, let our audience know a little bit about your, uh, your background and some of your films. I'm not going to talk. <laughs> I'll talk about it. I will talk about all of it. Thank you for asking that question. Um, actually, after university, I was very excited about making films. And so um, against the wishes of my family, I went to Los Angeles to make films. And so I literally knocked on doors and stupidly didn't know how to approach the opportunities that you can um, you look for to make films. So I opened the Yellow Pages, and I looked up producer. And I went to these weird locations where I heard weird things going on on the other side of the door because they weren't really producers. And uh, I realized this is crazy. And luckily got an opportunity to run errands on a TV commercial. My first job running, I think it was filters or something to the set. And from there I thought, I'm set. I got $35 for the day. And that paid me um, enough to get my snow tires out of Hawk that was paying for the gas to pay for the car <laughs> to get me to do the job. And I, so I went back to work the next day and they said, you don't understand, this is a one day thing. You got your $35, go home. And I, okay, so I just kept going back and I was persistent and I finally got more days and more days and eventually got a full-time position with a company making television commercials who thought I knew a lot because I was pretty aggressive, and they gave me the opportunity to just, these, you take care of all the cameras and the lights and everything. And, oh, I know all that shit. You bet. I'm, I got that shit. <laughs> I whip open the books, and I start to study you know, professional equipment. And from there, uh, I would sneak in in the evenings and shoot shots on my own with leftover film from the commercials, and I got caught doing that. That's awesome. Um, and I would recreate uh, images out of fashion magazines, the perfume bottles or whatnot, and I got really good on it. And the guy that was the cinematographer, Caleb Deschanel, at the time, he worked for the company, um, he Deschanel. said, let me show you a couple more things. And then I started shooting all the packages at the end of the commercial of the product. 
And so my Friday was just doing package day, and I had a little crew, and then from there I started putting that together and making whole reel, and then I got a whole commercial, and then more commercials, and I had my own company, and then all of a sudden somebody said, why don't you do features? And that's when I got to meet John and everyone else, and I ran off with my business partner, and we did Children of the Corn as our first feature while we were making TV commercials. Oh, wow. So we literally, I met the leadership of the company, the distributors, on Thursday and on Monday after saying, that sounds like we could do that. Yeah, it's a, my partner's name was Terry Kirby, produced the film. Terry, you want to do this? Yeah, yeah, let's drink another beer. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think we could do this. How much money do they got? Yeah, I think we could do it. We didn't know. We got on an airplane and we started flying around Texas and Iowa and Illinois and looking for the, the cornfields. And then a couple of months later, there we are back in Iowa making the film. That's a great story. Yeah. You've made it. I love it. Yeah, love it was it. it was kind and of broom. Very very persistent and, and loved what you do, and that's that definitely. Uh, you adds ha to your you work. have to be. Yeah. John will tell you. You you once you get a chance, a taste. He spoke of the the addiction stuff. There's an, a, a a draw of this process that is also in you to make more and to to tell story. Was uh was there was there pressure uh, on the side of of filming a uh, a movie? based on, on such a prolific author's work? <laughs> I don't think the pressure was based on any involvement by Stephen King because he was absent from everything. His participation was having written the first script, he sold it off. It was modified and changed into the script that we used to make the film. His script, his version wasn't successful. So he was absolutely out of the loop and didn't participate in any way until the very end when we got a letter that said, I hate this shit. Really? So, yeah, wow. he, he didn't care for the film. And I understand why. He had a different point of view in his novella and right. therefore in the, in the script that he wrote. But the product was made for commercial purposes. It was designed for the teenager, the, the, the teen with uh, anxiety over uh, adult leadership and authority. And that's what we made, a film about dogma. Don't believe people, don't believe things unless you really know. And so you know, it, 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 it hit something with that market. And so that's why I think it was successful. And I mean, the, the kid actors in the film, you know, John and Courtney specifically, how are they to work with? You know, being, being young, I feel like sometimes young child actors, et cetera. Miss. They were fantastic. I hope you talk with Courtney and John, all of us, all four of us that will be here this weekend. This was our first feature film, every one of us. So it was my opportunity to meet John Philbin in casting. Same with Courtney Gaines. Give him the job. He's great. He looks like he's an evil, wonderful child and can handle this. Um, and John Franklin, as soon as I met him, you're the man. It's done. It's over. Let's go on to the next level of casting, what we have to do. So I think, I don't know, John, what do you think? Probably more than half of the people involved in the film were on it for the very first film yeah. of their life. Yeah. The, the enthusiasm was fantastic. More than half yeah. feels the first movie. Yeah. Just That's let's go. Let's do it. Because I, I I love this film so much. It's it's so good. So great. Yeah. We'll be sitting down with all four of you tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, that's what I understand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Uh, let's make sure that there's a lot of images of me because those guys, <laughs> not very handsome. <laughs> and uh, and you you also directed um, Swamp Thing TV series. If Did I'm Swamp not Thing down the road? Yeah, that was. I loved that show. That was an opportunity, I don't know if you know it, but uh, Joe Stefano wrote those, and Joe Stefano wrote Psycho. Oh, wow. So when I was told about the series by the agent, I said, I don't know, 
it's where? It's Universal Studios. They don't have a swamp. They have a pond. I, how's this going to work? No, no, you go down there, blah, 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 blah. And Joe Stefano, the executive producer, writer, and I just clicked because I understand cinema history. You're kidding me. So I got to have lunch with him every day, and we talked about Hitchcock, and that was the whole reason. It was fantastic to be around him. Oh, he, was, he's, he was a wonderful man. But after Corn, my next film was right away. It was Tough Turf. And that's where I met Jimmy Spader and Robert Downey Jr. Gave them their first jobs, really. Wow. And so that was another, like, meet good actors, get them together, let's go have fun. Kim Richards is in that film, Paris Hilton's aunt, the woman who's on Beverly Hills, I mm -hmm. uh, think. Uh, Kyle's sister, met that whole family. And uh, it, it just, things have been lucky. Things have been fun. You guys have done really, really well. Was, uh, how about Linda Hamilton? Was that after Terminator or before? No, 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 no. John and I made her. You know, <laughs> come on now. I know this, it's the same well, here. That's why this Arnold guy, that movie, had nothing to do with her career. It was us that pushed her forward. She actually, um, as we were posting Corn, Corn was edited in a little house one block away from where my office to make television commercials was located. So I'm back making commercials, and at lunchtime I'd go down with Harry Karamidis, who edited Back to the Future, who edited Corn, and we would edit, and then I'd go back to the commercial, and then at night I'd go back, and Harry and I would talk more, and so forth. So we're doing that, and saw Linda in that process, and she said, I got an offer to make this film about a guy who comes from the past that goes in the future that does this with... Do you, this Arnold Schwarzenegger, what do you think of him? And I said, oh, pass on that crap. <laughs> that is the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Have you ever seen him act? Oh, pass, pass. So, yeah. It's a hard pass. Yeah, no. yeah, no. yeah. Dumb. So, yeah, I'm no help. I'm no longer. <laughs> a franchise went down the shitter after the yeah. second one anyway. But, um, yeah, so tomorrow night, Children of the Corn here, Erie Horror Fest, 8 o'clock, and uh, live commentary from all four of you guys yeah. um, during the film. Uh, it's great to catch up with both of you. Thank I'll you. see you both tomorrow. I will be watching the film. And I appreciate the sit down and uh, good you. luck with everything. Thank guys. you. Thank you. I, cool. I believe Thank we, you. we um, after the commentary, we visit with everybody yeah. just in the, you know, we come, we come out. So it'll be a good time to shake hands and say hello and see yeah. people. And, so uh, be and fun. as far as autographs go, are you guys at the, your tables tonight too for autographs? Do you know what time that's at? I think we time? are. I think oh, we're okay. doing some preliminary. Yeah, a little meet and greet, yeah, yeah. autographs and yeah. talk and, and cool. tell dirt on John Philbin and Lock. John Franklin. Well, Court, Courtney's not here, so let's trash him. Yeah, yeah. whoever's okay. not here gets trashed. Yeah. And Linda Hamilton. I'll get even with her for taking that job. <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, I'll be getting both of your autographs before today's over. So thank you, gentlemen, very well, thank much. Thank you. Thanks. 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 All right.